What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. I'm absolutely great. Thank you for asking. Um, we are another day closer. We're another week closer to the goal. And um, we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A style podcast, just like 99% of all my podcasts. <laughs> um, but we're in, a, we're in a good spot just to do these Q&As. As my brain power is low, my energy is even lower. Um, maybe we'll give you an exclusive update. No, we're not going to give you an exclusive. I was going to give you give you guys on the podcast an exclusive update as to what's going on, but... I'm going to hold off on a little bit. We've got some new and exciting news coming very, very soon. Um, lots of things changing. Lots of new opportunities. And uh, I'm excited for the season. So without further ado, sip a maybe like coffee. Give me energy, please. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. So do you think the dynamic of women getting big works mechanically the same as men? No. Because you don't have testosterone. <laughs> it's simple as that. Like when when women are afraid of getting big or too big, or there's that rhetoric around, I don't want to train because I'll get too big. You can't get too big. Like you physic, if you could, every girl would be jacked who trains. Uh, you don't like medically, no, biologic. You don't biologically have enough testosterone to grow like a man does. So. It's going to be near impossible to grow like Amanda's uh, on a on a mechanical, biological level. So, generally speaking, it's a lot harder and a lot slower. Uh, if you won 10k every month for 30 years on the lottery prize, what would you do with it? Uh, I'd probably invest it. It's 120k a year over 30 years. It's 3.2 million. So I'll just invest all of it and carry on my job. I think that'd be the best idea. 10k is a lot of money. 10k is a lot of money, and it's a you can do, like if you put all of that into a into a fund every 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 year, that'd probably be worth a lot of money. Here's another money question: <laughs> Would you rather 10 million dollars or become classic physique Mr. Olympia? Uh, I think I'd probably rather become classic physique Mr. Olympia because I think if you are Mr. Olympia on any front, you have the potent, potential to be a millionaire, and I think if you are two or three million in the bank and also your Mr. Olympia that'd be worth the extra five to seven million that'd be missing out on I think um so yeah I think I'll definitely uh, take the Olympia is this the hardest prep you've done uh it's different for sure it's this one's definitely different like I got a lot leaner a lot quicker than I thought I was going to and that's had a little bit of a toll on me just in terms of how well I'm performing how well I feel like to think that Potentially there was six weeks left. And like my glutes are in. It's a long, 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 long time to hold that kind of condition. It doesn't make you feel great. So it's definitely been hard in that aspect, the mental aspect of knowing that it's going to be a long time yet. Um, but I've not had to dig as much as such. Like It still feels relatively as hard, but I've not had to like dig my cardio out to an hour a day and eat even less food. And like I've, I've done harder things and... I'm of the opinion that it's relative. Like once you get to that body fat, it just feels shit anyway, regardless of what you're doing. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you're doing the cardio. Like I finished doing no cardio in 2019. I was doing zero cardio. I was doing hardly anything else uh, and eating a decent amount of food. And I still felt like shit every day because of the body fat. So it's very, very relative. So 
This is definitely the easiest but hardest prep I've ever done. <laughs> oh, this coffee's not kicking in. Um, there's a few questions here which are quite hard to answer. Like, for example, is there an achievement in your prep which you are most proud of? Not really. Um, I need to get on stage and compete first and, and, and do my do first. Um, thoughts on fasting and having some keto meals for insulin sensitivity. So um, we do know that like if you spend time without carbohydrates, you generally increase your insulin sensitivity. One of the techniques that I use in an off-season would be to have like the first couple meals on a, on a non-training day carbless. So you don't spike your insulin as much and you drive a little bit of a demand for carbohydrates. Um, so like, yeah, some fasting can improve your um, your insulin levels, keto can improve your insulin levels, but obviously you've got to consider that if you are in a calorie surplus, probably whether you like it or not, there's going to be some sort of insulin buildup anyway, if that makes sense. So there's going to you're going like you're gonna have a buildup of not insulin resistance because it's quite hard to get insulin resistance, but if you're in an in an off season and you're really, really high on food, just like switching a few meals to keto and and uh, maybe fasting every now and again is probably not going to solve your insulin sensitivity issue. You probably need to address what's happening. But honestly, like 99 people out of 100 would never have insulin issues um, unless you're abusing exogenous insulin, which not many people are. Uh, do you piss a lot in prep? Um, I'm dieting. I have to get up two or three times. Yes, I do. And I noticed that when I had my refeed, or my refeeds uh, last week, I didn't wake up as much. I woke up twice. Normally at the moment I'm waking up four or five times for really, really big wheeze. And I think it's where the body doesn't have the food to draw the water into the muscle. I think that's my most logical my most logical answer for why I'm pissing so much. <laughs> it's so frustrating, honestly. I don't want to wake up and pee all the time, but I have to because otherwise I wet myself. Um, but I feel like where I had the extra food, like it drew the extracellular water or the fluid that I was drinking into the muscle and held it there rather than like, you've got no food to hold this water in your muscle, let's just piss it out, which is pretty much kind of what I've been doing. Um, so yes, I do. Uh, I've been asked this question maybe 5,000 times. When will the Wanamart straps be releasing? When will anything Wanamart be releasing? I will always always announce weeks before they are being announced they are going to be dropped you asking me i appreciate where it's coming from but you asking me does not speed up the drop so you don't need to keep asking me i'll just tell you when they're available um, i'm just trust me when i say this i'm trying to get everything out as quickly as possible but i'm not going to sacrifice the quality of the product for getting out quickly so just bear with me but they're ordered they're paid for they've been delivered like as in They've posted them, so I'm literally just waiting for them. So not long. Um, how do you plan on to capitalize on business, social media once the competitive season is over? Um, the same way I did it last time. Like the, the the story is still there to be told. This is just another stepping stone in the in the puzzle, which is nice because obviously sometimes sometimes what brings people in is telling a story, and if you can tell people a long term story with different rungs in the ladder for example one of my rungs is a pro card like people know the overall story people know that the end the end goal is to go ahead and go mass again and get big again and get more muscle for next time and come back up like you know an elite pro standard and 
eventually get to that Olympia stage. So the exact same thing, tell the same story as I did in the off season, keep the educational streak that I've got. Um, appreciate clicks are going to drop off. I'm not as impressive to look at and uh, the clickbait isn't as good, but that's all part and parcel of being a competitive YouTuber. <laughs> um, but I'm not too worried because it, it, my business grew more than ever last year and I didn't compete or get lean at any point. So that gave me the confidence to know that I didn't need to just continually rely on 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 getting lean, which I think a lot of people do, and a lot of like fit influencers you'll see they never make improvements to their physiques because they're consistently lean because there's that social demand for them to look good and feel well. I guess they feel good, but there's that social demand for them to look good the whole time. So for me, that doesn't come into my consideration because bodybuilding comes first. So I'm not too too worried about it. <laughs> Especially considering like my main job is like the coaching, which is sort. It definitely has a big impact from social media, but I'm at that point now with coaching that I don't necessarily need to push it. I've just always got clients, so with that being one of my main sources of income, I'm not overly worried about social media going a little bit slower. Um, even though I'd want it to continue to go quicker, um, it's not as big a bigger focus. Um, my squat has been static at eight reps last three times. Do I take the plunge and go for a four to six rep set? I would take the plunge and stop squatting. <laughs> um, I'm just not a fan of a squat whatsoever. I think it takes away so much energy, builds up so much fatigue with just not a lot of uh, not a lot of um, give. Like it doesn't give you much in return other than a little bit of fatigue. Don't get me wrong, you can build your legs really, really well, but um, I would say in this situation, try some different rep ranges for sure. Try a heavier set, try a lighter set, maybe just try 10 to 15 reps instead of just eights. Um, if you're not progressing, maybe you're not sleeping well enough, maybe you're not eating enough food, maybe you're not resting enough, maybe you're doing too much volume. All these different things have to um, have to come into consideration. Update on your crypto investments. Uh, I don't have any uh, updates. Everything is pretty much the same as where it was last week, I think. Um, I don't really pay too much attention to it because otherwise you just find yourself clock watching. What's the biggest reason you see guys fail beyond the surface level of like missing meals? Um, I would say probably just the commitment side in terms of committing everything in their life to it. I mean, that's very extreme. That's like in terms of like if you want to be the best, like I think there's a lot of recreational bodybuilders and people who potentially think they're not recreational bodybuilders, but actually they are because they, they're not 100% in the off-season or their off-season is an off-season. It's not a just a not-cutting season. Um, so I'd say just that general focus of gearing your entire life for that performance. And that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But if you want to be the best, I thoroughly believe that everything in your life needs to be geared towards it. I mean, I look at Ronaldo, I look at Messi, I look at anyone at the top of their sport, Ricardo. Um, what's his name? The fucking Formula One driver. Like, their entire life, all their relationships is all geared around them performing the best. And that's how I've geared my life. And I think that's why I succeed. Because I don't, I sacrifice everything for that goal. Is that the best thing to do? Not necessarily. Is it the smartest thing to do? Not necessarily. Does it maintain relationships? Not always. Um, but when you've got a goal that's really, really big and you really want to do it, I think committing everything um, really, really works. What's the best way to, to develop a strong core without doing compounds? Uh, train your core, my man. Like I would say that training your core is is better for you than just doing compound exercises. Like directly train your core 
We know that the abs contract at the top. We know that they put, pull your hips up and we know that they rotate. So you want to go through those three movements um, as well as probably some isometric holds and, and you're going to hit all four of those components of how your abs work. So definitely, definitely, if you want a stronger core, train your core, train to get stronger across that core. Um, and just don't worry about these compound exercises building your, your abs. They will, but like if you really want to build your core and you really want to build your abs, do it directly. Do it directly. Um, sex drive, your relationship, this prepper previous. I don't have a sex drive anymore. Uh, it's completely gone. We've, me and my girlfriend have probably not had sex. I probably, I probably shouldn't say it's like on my podcast, but it is what it is. We, we are raw and live. Uh, we've probably not had sex about... Th- three or four weeks now maybe um, maybe the beginning of April and I've got no inclination I don't even have a tickle I don't even I don't even masturbate or anything anymore I just I don't have it it's, I'm empty um, but it will come back quick um, I think like as the, as one of the, as the partner who doesn't have the sex drive in the in the in the relationship it's, it's up to me to do my due diligence to explain why to make Amy realise it's not because I don't fancy her of course I do it's because I can't get a fucking hard on because I'm so lean, because I'm so, you know, pushing the boundaries and the focus is not necessarily on having sex. It's, don't get me wrong, like there's, there are times in the day where I have a little flickle down there, but it's just very, very infrequent and very, very short-lasted. So we'll see. You know, I've noticed that sometimes when I do have like a competition prep and like I compete on the Saturday, I've carved up Thursday, Friday. And then obviously on Friday, like you do whatever you do on the Saturday, you do the competition you go off, you eat some more food, you drink, you hydrate, you relax, you don't have to worry about competing. The sex drive comes back pretty quickly, so I'm not too worried. Um, any particular reason why you ran trend for so long over the muscle preservation? Um, so trend works pretty well on the glutocorticoid binding. It's very, very tissue selective. It can be very, very good muscle growth and fat loss. Um, obviously using it in a very, very moderate dose. We're talking like 100 milligrams, which is just barely anything in consideration of what people use. Um, yeah, like the the research into it is pretty, I say decent, up to about up to about 10 milligrams per kilogram. Um, sort of makes sense. Um, and my blood work uh, gave me the go-ahead to carry on, if that makes sense. That's kind of how I decide what my cycles are doing to me and what compounds are doing to me based off what they do to my blood work. Um, what to do to go super dry, dry, hard, grainy for a show. It obviously depends if you're using drugs or not. Um, if you're not using drugs, just get leaner. That's all you can do. That is the only thing that you can do. Uh, you can use diuretics, but really, like, if you're lean enough, you don't need, like, diuretics. I've never used diuretics in my life because I've always been lean enough. If you don't have any fat, you have nowhere to hold water. That's something that's, that people need to understand. You don't have fat, there is nowhere to hold water. So get rid of the fat first. If we're going to talk about anabolics, now there are things that you can do like manipulate your estrogen. Um, I've actually just recently, in fact, tomorrow I'm sending off a blood test just so we can see where my estrogen is come come the weekend. And then we can either taper that estrogen down to pull out water of the, of, uh, underneath the skin. Or if you, if I'm just like, I'm pretty shredded anyway. You guys see how lean I am in, in, in the photos and whatnot. Like that's with probably high estrogen. So I don't necessarily need to manipulate those things too much. Um... But if you're someone who holds water from estrogen, you can potentially, I, I personally wouldn't take out your testosterone because it holds a lot of fullness and it does help a lot. Um, I would tend to say we could manipulate via um, Arimidex, um, Aromacin, but generally if you cannot touch those things, 
and, and, and recreate that hard dry look, then perfect. And then obviously you've got things like orals, which are gonna help bring down estrogen a little bit, like Anavar. Um, and then obviously there's Winstrol, which is the hardener, the hardening agent, which kind of just draws water out from you and just makes you skin wrapped. So there are things that you can do situation, situationally to bring in a harder, drier look, but my best advice is always just to get shredded and then you don't really need to worry about getting hard or dry. And sometimes I find if you're chasing that hard or dry look that you're just not lean enough in the first place so don't worry too much about it um what makes for you the difference between disordered eating and is an eating disorder um so i think disordered eating is just eating that's not in order if that makes sense like it's not normal like i backload my food and i don't eat over this amount of food and it's very strange to people right so i call it disordered um, I think eating disorder is when you physically can't help something, when you physically can't help but binging, when you physically can't help but undereat, when you physically can't help but weigh all your food. Um, I think that that is what defines dis- eating disorder, is when you physically, mentally can't eat off that disorder, if that makes sense. Whereas for me, I am disordered eating on purpose, if that makes sense. And then there'll be like a little bit of a patch probably post, post-show post when I'll have a slight eating disorder where I physically probably can't control what I'm eating. Although 99% of the time I can, it's going to be that 1% that I just creep in extra and I can't help it because I'm so hungry. So there's probably a smidgen of eating disorder, but mostly it's just disordered eating. So when you physically can't stop things or mentally or, or emotionally, I would say that that is the difference. The experience of Paviron... Uh, I honestly haven't used Proviron much. I've used it one cycle and it didn't make me feel that great. I think it pulled down my estrogen too low. Um, and I just didn't, it was in my blast. So I didn't really feel like I was a beast. I didn't feel like super sex drive, pump full of blood. I didn't feel uber great. So I actually, I just took it out. And as soon as I took it out, I noticed the uh, the benefits start to creep in again. So I've not had a huge, um, a huge experience with Proviron. As an online coach, how long did it take before you were earning enough to live off? Uh, probably like six or seven months. I mean, you think I was charging people 50 quid to start off with. I mean, 10 people would be 500 pound. I could live off 500 pound. So probably like six or seven months to get that 10, 15 people. And then obviously as my prices went, I could just live off that. Um, Why do you take injectable L-carnitine over oral? Because oral just is not bioavailable at all. It gets destroyed in the gut immediately, so it's just a waste of carnitine. Injectable seems to be the only one that has a a noticeable effect on carbohydrate shunting into the blood. Obviously, we're trying to shunt carbohydrates into the blood to use it, so we use that carbohydrates, and then we have to use fat for fuel. So oral carnitine is is a no-go for me, Um, injectable only um, for me. Do you have any non-negotiables during prep? Everything is a non-negotiable. Everything is for prep. Everything is for prep. Uh, Everything is for prep. Uh, I sleep when I need to. I eat when I need to. I've eaten the exact same time, slept, trained, done everything at the exact same time every single day for the last 12 weeks, and that is the way it's going to stay. Non-negotiables, I don't answer my phone after 6 or 7 p.m., um, I'm in bed by nine, my meals are on time, I've got to do 10,000 steps and no more, everything is non-negotiable. 
moving to uni in September, top tips that you would give for maximum mental or physical growth, be open. Be open to meet new people, be open to experience new things, experience new cultures. I think the most important thing that I learned from uni was experiencing new cultures and new people. My, my best friends in the world, uh, one's Bahraini, one's from Oman, one's from Hong Kong, one's from Australia, uh, one's, from, one's from Sheffield, uh, one's from Bedford, you know, one's Italian, so loads and loads of different cultures, and I think what brought us all together was how open we all were, and how different we all were, so be open-minded, be ready to learn, be ready to be vulnerable, be ready to feel vulnerable, and um, I think you'll kind of come in, you'll come out with a lot of uh, positives from it. Um, would you ever be interested in trying strongman or Olympic lifts in off-season? No, never. Um, I'm here to be a bodybuilder. I think if you do something different in an off-season, you are no longer a bodybuilder. If you want to be the best bodybuilder that you can, bodybuild year-round. If you want to be the best strongman, powerlifter, Olympic lifter that you can be, do those things year-round. I've always been an advocate of not mixing sports and just excelling at one. There are people that can excel at more than one. That's where you'd look at something like CrossFit or Heptathlete or something like that. But for me... Uh, strongman and, 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 and Olympic lifting is not conducive to building more muscle. So for me, I'd never do it. No. Uh, do you drop out creatine when you get closer to a show? No. So creatine holds um, intracellular water. So intramuscular water. So you don't actually have water outside the cell. So actually, it would um, be beneficial to keep it in. How's the plans for the BBC podcast looking? Uh, we're not going to do the BBC podcast, I don't think. Joe's five weeks out and moving to Dubai. Tom's six weeks out and too busy. Uh, and same for me. So unfortunately, that was a great plan. But with Joe moving away, it's likely just to be a B and C podcast, if anything, unfortunately. A wizard can magically add five pounds of muscle on you. How are you splitting it up? Equally everywhere. <laughs> Um, reverse dieting, structuring, bulking phases, and exercise. That's too many questions. Reverse dieting. Um, reverse dieting is super easy. You essentially reverse the diet that you've done at probably a little bit quicker of a pace. So let's say you finish a cut super lean, 2,000 calories. You could probably put on six or 700 calories immediately. Weigh yourself every day for a week. See what the body weight does. If you don't gain weight, add more food. And then just keep adding food until you gain a smidgen of weight. That's your maintenance. And more often than not, it tends to be like 1,000, 1,200 through 1,300 calories above where you finished your cut. And then you just react really, really, really quickly. I've actually got a full reverse dieting video. Just type in uh, Josh Bridgman reverse dieting on YouTube. And I explain it. And I explain it. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, why do bodybuilders have a refeed during a prep? There's a few reasons. Um, generally, generally, it should be to refuel the body. Sometimes if you run the tank on empty for too long, you need to do that because you need to run flat, but sometimes you can stall to a halt and it becomes very, very difficult to move forward. And that was something that was happening to me. My heart rate was really, really difficult to get up on my cardio machine because I had no energy. My walks, I was dragging my feet, so I was burning less energy. I was burning less calories. I was trying to sit down more naturally because I was so tired. So in having two days of extra food, you reduce a little bit of fatigue, you give yourself a little bit more energy, you fill out a little bit more, and you have more ability to push again. So I started walking a bit quicker. My heart rate was a bit easier to get on my cardio because I could push a bit harder. And that's the only way that I would be bringing in refeeds is just as a little pep up or to slow things down. If someone is super lean, if someone is 
two weeks out, but they've got six weeks. And that's when you start to bring in refeeds and, and, and high days to try and preserve that look into the physique. But other than that, there's no room for a refeed. You keep digging. Um, all my uh, clients listen to this are thinking, fuck, I'm not getting a refeed. Um, what are your thoughts on organ meat? So I think organ meat is a, an absolutely fantastic meat all round. Um, organ meat is just any organ from any animal, um, and it tends to have every single nutrient and mineral that you can imagine. Uh, liver, kidney, heart, lungs, all those things, high in iron, metals, um, B vitamins, obviously great protein, and, and, and actually when they talk about the carnivore diet they talk about eating nose to tail and they talk about eating all these organ meats and actually if you do eat nose to tail which is like basically just saying you eat the whole carcass bone marrow skin fucking organs you will not be nutrient or mineral deficient because there is enough in the organ meats to kind of fund the whole body's minerals um which is why you think you look at things like crustaceans organ meats they're so so nutrient dense probably the most nutrient dense foods on the planet so definitely definitely recommend organ meat i don't like organ meat too much so i don't eat loads of it however when i do finish bodybuilding and i eat less meat that would definitely be the meat that i choose would be organ meat because of the bang for the buck that you get Thoughts on building muscle vegetarian? I think building muscle vegetarian is is much more plausible than vegan because you can get a pretty complete amount of protein from cheese, from yogurts, from whey, from eggs, uh, and that's like that's four or five really really good protein sources. So I think the main issue is just the protein with vegan diet, but you can still do really really well with the vegan diet. I think it's just um, I think people just demonize, demonize it a little bit um, for whatever reason because of, of, of the lack of protein and this and that. But it's not necessarily the biggest the biggest deal as long as you're eating enough food. So if you can eat enough food, if you can get enough protein in, I've got no issues of building muscle being vegetarian. I think vegetarian, I think meat eating is the easiest way to build muscle. I think vegetarian is the second. And I think everything, everything else is the third and fourth. Um, last few questions here. Uh, reflect on younger Natty Bridgman and what that stage of life meant to you. Um, that stage of life represented a huge turning point for me. Um, I was kind of finding my feet. I was finding what I wanted to do. I was kind of discovering myself uh, very, very positively um, in the social media world. And, and, and I'm very, very glad that I took the... Uh, I'm very, very glad that I took 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 the leap because I would never be where I am right now today. And I was insecure. I was tired. Like I was uh, constantly worried about what people thought. And every video I put out, I thought was shit. And I kept going. And I'm very, very glad that I kept going. So it was very, very transformative. Young Natty Bridgman. Um, last last uh, two questions now. What's your favorite exercise for push, pull, and legs? So for push, it's probably the Cybex incline or the shoulder press. Yeah, probably. For pull, it's probably the Nautilus pull down because you can really drive in that elbow down forward. And then for legs, it's probably a hack squat. Very, very simple answers. Big bang for your buck exercises that can take you through your full range of motion. That's pretty much like how I live my life in gym, uh, which is pretty fucking boring. Um... Show us a sample of your physique program. How many days is it? That's a good question to finish on. So I will bring up my men's physique program for you. 
and this is I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to read out everything, but the split on the men's physique program. And now this is a men's physique physique specific program, so it's built to build those men's physique specific uh, points. So here we go. Day one is back and hamstrings. Then you have quads, delts, and arms. Rest back and chest. Hams, delts, and arms. Rest. Quads and hams, back delts and arms, rest. Quads and hams, chest delts and arms, rest. So you have delts and arms every other day. You have back every third session. You have chest every third session. You have legs twice a week. So it is very, very, very frequent on those arms and delts. Very frequent on your chest. Very frequent on your on your um, back as well. So you have a rest day on your Wednesdays and on your Saturdays. And then you just repeat through. Um, so it's a five-day split two on one off two on one off and i always find that those two on one off really really work because they they force you to rest and a lot of people's issues is that they don't rest enough um so having these plans in place where they force you to rest is is always a really really good plan so uh, i'm going to leave that there my brain is flagging at 30 minutes um we'll be back very soon guys we've got a huge huge video being filmed tomorrow um for a huge announcement next week We'll probably still be able to film the podcast next week as well on Wednesday, which we'll talk a little bit more about the announcement. And um, yeah, guys, we'll see you soon. Peace and love, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.